Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Jack Benny, Hal March, Phil Baker, and a long look at many of the famous quiz programs during the golden days of radio. During the 30s, 40s, and 50s, quiz shows were tremendously popular on radio. It seemed that everyone wanted something for nothing. And during those early days, the amount of money paid out was unbelievable. For instance, in the 30s, they paid off in cash prizes like this. It's Paul Wing spelling bee between six men of Dartmouth College and an equal number of men from Brown University of Providence, Rhode Island. Here's the spelling master, Paul Wing. Now for today's match. In addition to fighting for the honor of their respective universities, the contestants are competing for four prizes. $25 for the best speller of all, $15 for the second best speller on the winning team, $15 for the best speller on the losing team, and $10 for the second best speller on the losing team. And now, Arthur, who's the first speller? Wow. Then the money went up to impressive heights like this. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Box Pop, the voice of the people, is on the air at the stage entrance of Radio City Music Hall Theater in New York. Jerry Belcher and Fox Johnson, as usual, pop the questions. To the five persons whose questions are adjudged best will be presented the gorgeous Elgin Men's wristwatch. To everyone who submits a question, whether or not it is accepted, will be given a package of five Molay razor blades. So, here they are. We got a few parts. You ready? All right, Mr. Buzz. I'm ready, Jerry. Come up here, please. Now, tell me, please, are you working in an organization, do you? (laughs) Knowledge was paying off, all right. But was it worth coming back next week? Listen to True or False. And now we welcome the conductor and arbiter of True or False, your host and friend, Dr. Harry Hagen. Thank you. Everybody on True or False wins the prize, one of those attractive Williams gift kits. There's one for each of our 12 contestants tonight. And more than that, Dr. Hagen has five crisp $5 bills for the members of the winning team this evening. And $25 for the grand winner of the entire contest. So let's get on with True or False and find out who that grand winner is going to be. And perhaps you've heard of this one. Presenting Dr. I.Q. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Donald Dowd, our first contestant of the evening, please. I have a lady here, Doctor. Six dollars for the correct answer to this one. The former capital of China was named Peking. By what name is this city now known? No coaching, please. I'm sorry, Doctor, I don't know. Peking. However, give that lady a box of 24 bars of chocolate Milky Way and two kit tickets to next week's production here at the Chicago Theater, Daughters Courageous. Master of Ceremonies Phil Baker went on the air in the early 40s with Take It or Leave It, the program that asked the $64 question. This is Phil Baker, ladies and gentlemen, following through with Take It or Leave It. And here's our next contestant coming up to the microphone. Coming up is right. <laughs> Who is Seaman Milton Slater of the United States Maritime Service. <laughs> no, 
Sailor. Glad to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Welcome to Take It or Leave It. Well, Sailor, if you win the $64 tonight, what are you going to do with the money? What am I going to do with the money? Well, uh, I'm going to go see the art museums. Art museums, yeah, yeah I see. <laughs> a little closer, please. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Well, I'm uh, going to take a bus ride. A bus ride, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. And then? Well, I want to go up and see the uh, botanical gardens. Botanical gardens? <laughs> oh, you're going to have fun, brother. <laughs> and then what are you going to do? Well, I might visit Grant's tomb. Grant's tomb? <laughs> Look, son, the museums and Grand's tomb and all that stuff is okay, but uh, what about the girls? Huh? Not for me. You mean to tell me you don't want to get married? Well, I just got out of one wall. Why should I get in another? <laughs> <laughs> okay, woman hater, what category have you selected to discuss with me? Uh, number 13. Okay, we have it here. Number 13. Oh, uh, that's about... Uh, maybe you better pick another one. Category you selected is about love. Oh, well, that's okay. I'll try it. But I thought you were the guy who didn't know anything about love. Well, I, I go to the movies. You... <laughs> you mean you learn about love watching the movie stars on the screen? Mm, a little bit. But I learn more watching the couples in the balcony. Oh, you do. <laughs> okay, Sailor, let's get on with Take It or Leave It. All these questions are about love and lovers. Here we go for one dollar. What are the primary cardiographic reactions to the vascular motor system of a young sailor resulting from osculation with an attractive female? That's uh, fine. You have what? a buck. Would you like to drive a tube? <laughs> All right. Here we go for $2. Who is the most romantic character in fiction? I'll accept any name but yours. I guess that's uh, Romeo. Romeo is correct. You get a dollar, sir. You get two bucks. Okay? Shall we, uh, shall we go on? Well, no use stopping here. Okay, sell it for $4. What great lover besides Jimmy Durante was blessed with a big schnozzola? Oh, uh, that's that, um... Huh? Uh, no help. What? Cyrano. Cyrano de Bergerac. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, you can take it and quit or go on for eight. What do you say? Well, uh, keep going. All right, here we go for eight. What man was so bashful he had to ask his best friend to propose for him? Come on, speak for yourself, John Slater. Oh, uh, Captain Miles Standish. Captain Miles Standish, yes, sir. That is correct. You have $16 coming. Would you like to try for a 16 rather? You have eight coming. Well, uh, hmm? sure. Might as well. Uh, okay, here I we came go. Came in with nothing. I go out with nothing. Came in with nothing. You go out with nothing. <laughs> okay, here we go for nothing. <laughs> here we go for $16. What king gave up his throne to marry the woman he loved? Oh, oh, the Duke of Windsor. The Duke of Windsor, yes, there is. <laughs> no help, please. <laughs> All right, okay, Sally, you have $16 to spend at Grand's tomb. <laughs> You're going to have a good time, bud. <laughs> Shall we go on for 32? Want to try it for 32? What do you think he ought to do? <laughs> All right, here we go for $32. What people in the world express affection by rubbing noses instead of kissing? Oh, I, I think that's the Eskimos. Who told you? I met one in Iceland. You met one in Iceland? <laughs> All right, take the icicles off your nose and we'll try it for 64 bucks. What do you say? Well, I've gone this far. I'll take a crack at it. Okay, for $64. And, Sailor, if you win the 64, I'll get you a blonde to go with it. <laughs> Here we go. You've heard that lovebirds coo at each other. But what does the love call of a wolf sound like? <laughs> you get $64.
In the mid-50s, the $64 question show Take It or Leave It went back on the air, but the stakes were much higher. Instead of $64, it was... The 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, the $64,000 question. And now the star of our show, where knowledge is king and the reward king size, Pal March! Thank you very much. You're very kind, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, and let's begin it. Bill, who was the first guest, please? Well, Hal, back from Atlantic Radar Patrol to face his $64,000 question is our flying commander from the USN, whose category is American literature, Edward Perry Stafford. You look very handsome indeed, Ed. It's nice to have you back. Glad to be back. The tour of duty over? Well, at least I'm back temporarily. Well, I hope you're not picked up again before this evening's over. There's no... You, you've got to stay here tonight anyway, aren't uh, you? I can reasonably expect this. Well, Ed, this is the big one, as we say. This is the one that's worth $64,000 tonight. It's, it's, of course, you've already declared yourself. We know pretty well how you're going, but is your decision still the same as it was before? You're going to sit down while the setting's good. I think I committed myself pretty strongly last time you asked me this question, Hal, and I haven't had any reason to change my mind in the last couple of weeks. That's no surprise. Well, Ed, let's bring ourselves up to the exact amount of money. You have 32... Gee, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Sure is. Well, Ed, if you're ready, so are we to go for the $64,000. Now, of course, you're going to... Did you bring an expert with I you? I certainly did. May we, may we meet him, please? Yes, certainly may. Good evening, sir. This is Professor James H. Cobley of George Washington University, my professor in American literature. How do you... You're a professor of American literature. Very nice to have you here, sir. And you, you're constantly with American literature, aren't you, during the course of the day? That's right. It was in the Professor Koboli's classes that I have acquired what knowledge I have of American literature. And what you may have forgotten, the professor probably will remember, huh? I hope so. Mr. Revson, this is another one of those nights. Well, gentlemen, if you're ready, so are we. Lynn, would you escort the professor and commander of the booth, please? Reasonably. Can you hear me and see me all right? Fine. Professor, okay? Fine. Ready for the question. May I have it, please, Ben? Thank you. Here it is for $64,000, the category being, of course, American literature. Your $64,000 question in American literature will ask you to identify certain characters, certain situations, and certain authors important in the world of American literature. For $64,000, tell me first, in what novel, by what author, do each of the following significant characters appear? Carrie Meeber, Dilsey, Bascom Pentland, and Joanna Burden. I hope I've pronounced those correctly. Next, Sinclair Lewis appears as a character in one of Thomas Wolfe's novels. In what novel, under what name does he appear, and from what actual great public speech of Lewis's does Wolf draw in the episode? Finally, I want the titles of the novels in which one of the central figures does the following. First, confesses at a businessman's luncheon that his middle name is Follinsby. Second, keeps a copy of Lady Chatterley's Lover in a, in a safe to prevent his daughter from seeing it. Third, 
reports for a newspaper the murder trial of her own son. Fourth, and finally, kidnaps an architect and compels, compels him to build with slave labor, labor, forgive my pronunciation, kidnaps an architect and compels him to build with slave labor a great plantation house. There's the question. You have 15 seconds to consider your answer. Good luck, gentlemen. take it one part at a time. First, in what novel by what author do each of the following significant characters appear? Carrie Meeber. Sister Carrie by uh, Dreiser. That is correct. Second, Dilsey. Uh, Dilsey is the uh, domestic servant in uh, Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury. That is correct. Third, Bascom Pentland. Um, the the Pentlands are in two, the first two of the uh, Tom Wolfe books. They're in Look Homeward Angel, and they're in Of Time and the River. Uh, I've read Look Homeward Angel, and he's not in that, so he's got to be in Of Time and the River. It's a cute way of getting to it, but you're right. <laughs> Next, Joanna Burden. Joanna Burden is another uh, Faulkner character. She's in... Um, by all means, discuss Light, it before you answer. Light in August. Okay, that is correct for the first part of that question. Next, Sinclair Lewis appears as a character in one of Thomas Wolfe's novels. In what novel? You can't, it's, uh, he's in uh, You Can't Go Home Again uh, by Tom Wolfe, and the character's name is, um, it only can be one because only one novelist in the, uh, in the story, you met him over in London, um, and his name is Lloyd McCard. 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 That's correct for that part of the question. From what actual great public speech of Lewis's does Wolf draw in the episode? Uh, this is, is uh, was uh, Sinclair Lewis's speech before the Nobel Prize Society when he was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1930. That is correct for that part of the question. Finally. I want the titles of the novels in which one of the central figures does the following. First, confesses at a businessmen's luncheon that his middle name is Follinsby. That was uh, George Follinsby Babbitt in Sinclair Lewis's novel, Babbitt. That is correct. Keeps a copy of Lady Chatterley's Lover in a safe to prevent his daughter from seeing it. This is, um, it's got to be a Malacorn character. That's either H.M. Um, Poem or George Appley. I think it's amply. I think it's amply. Um, can I come back to that one? You certainly can. Next, reports for a newspaper the murder trial of her own son. Um, this was, um, this has to be Clyde Griffith's uh, mother in uh, Dreiser's The American Tragedy. That is correct. Kidnaps an architect and compels him to build with slave labor a great plantation house. Uh, this is uh, one of the Sutpen clan. Thomas, Thomas Sutpen in uh, another... We're pretty heavy on Faulkner tonight, aren't we? I guess so. Uh, yeah. This is in uh, Absalom, Absalom. By, by Faulkner. Faulkner. William Faulkner. 
You have to give me just one more now, the one you passed, to win $64,000. It is keeps a copy of Lady Chatterley's lover in a safe to prevent his daughter from seeing it. Well, this is this could only be a Marquand character. And uh, it's either uh, uh, the late George Appley or H.M. Pullum. And I'll say George Appley. You're right for sure! Even comedian Jack Benny succumbed to the quiz show and one evening appeared as a contestant on the $64,000 question. Well, Hal, our next contestant on the golden threshold of the $64,000 question is from Beverly Hills, California, Jack Benny! to you later, Jack. <laughs> Jack, it's wonderful seeing you again. Thank you, Hal. How are things in California? Oh, fine. Wonderful. How's Mary? Fine. She sent her love to you. Wonderful. Please send mine back. I will. Jack, you're not nervous about being on the show tonight. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, before we... A little go... bit, maybe. A little. not too nervous. Well, that's no. normal. Jack, before we go any further, I'd like very sincerely to thank you for having traveled all the way across the country to be on our show. It's very sweet of you. Well, it was nice of you to take care of all my expenses huh? <laughs> I mean, you know, I have nice living quarters at the Sherry and my plane fare and everything Well, thoughtful of your company, I mean It was worth it as far as we're concerned, Jack, having Thank you here Thank you Jack, uh, what'll you do with the money if you win it, you know? Oh, I don't know <laughs> Probably invest it, you know, in something I think. Well, would you, would you give it to anybody? Invested. Yeah, yes, I would invest it. Jack, even though you're primarily and invariably a comedian, everybody knows that you play the violin on occasion. That's right. Uh, I'd like to ask you something. Have you ever been serious about it? Well, when I was a kid, I was. I studied from when I was six years old until I was 15. Really? I... In the Chicago Musical College. Uh-huh. Under a teacher was Hugo Korchak there. Uh, have you ever regretted not being a concert violinist as compared to being a comedian? Well, sometimes. I'm a sort of a frustrated violinist. I give yeah. concerts. No, yeah. yes, well, that satisfies mm-hmm. you, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, of course, everybody in our audience who's read the papers, and certainly I know what your category is going to be, but just to comply with protocol, right behind you, a list of categories, which would you like to go ahead with? Can well, you... number 10, the violin. The violin. All right, yeah. Lynn, if you'll press number 10 on the IBM machine, we'll get our question. Jack, you're familiar with the uh, the rules of the show, aren't you? Yes. Start yes. with 64. That's people. right. Yes. All right. Your category is the violin. Now, this will include details of the instrument itself, great violinists, and composers who created music for the violin. I see. All right. For $64, Stradivari was one of the three great masters of violin making. 
whose instruments have never been surpassed in tone and craftsmanship. Give me Stradivari's first name and the name of the town where he was born. Incidentally, you're the first one who pronounced his name right. They generally call him Stradivarius, but that's the violin. Stradivarius, right. His first name was Antonio, and he was born in Cremona, Italy. You're right for $64. All right, Jack. He was born in 1644, and he died in 1737. Good. Well, that's... You don't need that, actually. All right. All right, Jack, you... He studied under Nicholas Amati. He's also a great violinist, he studied. Right. And the best that he ever made his violin was between 1700 and 1725. Thank you. All right. Jack, you now have $64. Your next question is worth $128. Shall we go ahead? Pardon? Shall we go ahead for $128? No, thank you. No, just give me the $64. Jack, uh, let me get this straight. You're going to take the $64. you are going to quit. Now, you're not going to go for $128. No, no, no. Just the $64, and that's all. Jack, this never happened before. No one has ever quit after people have lost. You've got a right to quit whenever you want it. the right, but because this has never happened, first of all, if that's your decision, you're going to quit, huh? Yeah, that's right. I think it's a little ridiculous. It cost us over $300 for expenses to get you back here. <laughs> well, that's your problem. Yeah, now, just give me the $64, and I'm going home. Jack, because this has never happened, we've never pre- prepared for such an eventuality. We don't have a check made up. Well, I'll take the cash. Just give me the cash. <laughs> and look, and I'll give you 30 seconds... To get me the, I'm not going to repeat the question. I'll give you 30 seconds to get me the $64. I want, and give me some of that silly music you play all the time. Uh, uh, music that drives you nuts. Let me hear that. I don't care. Get me some more money. Can we pay you after? No, no, no. Get me some more. Keep it up. I want some more of this. Yeah. Do you have any cash on you? That's right. Just give me $64. What do you got there now? 20, 40. There's 65. Can I have a dollar change? Thank you. Can I have a dollar change, Jack? A dollar change. All right. Thank you very, very much. Thank Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our affectionate look at many quiz shows. Now here's a thought to remember. Thousands of stock tickers tell the story of the industrial economy in the United States, and millions of Americans own shares of that economy, making public ownership of private enterprise tick. It's brought greater prosperity to more people than any other system in the world. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time on this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service.